0: Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our podcast offers friendly conversations with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by Learn Behavioral and the Learn Provider Network. Now here's your host, Richie Plush.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of All Autism Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Learn Behavioral Network a leading provider in ABA services all across the country. Our goal on this podcast is really to highlight research and the experts that conduct that research. But it's also about seeking relevant matters. And there's a very important and complex uh, conversation going on right now in our community that's about race and how it impacts not just our field, but how it also impacts our community. There's so much inspiration that comes from the March on Washington, and we're actually recording this episode on the 57th anniversary of that. And it's just telling how our country needs those words today as much as we did then. This topic for me has been an ongoing conversation both personally and professionally within our organization. We've spent a lot of time really diving into our responsibility as a network on how we can be a catalyst for change, but also what's our role in making sure that our staff internally are supported. So within our organization and within our communities, what are things that we can be doing to really make a difference and to leave an impact for those around us? I was really excited when I had an opportunity to sit down with Adrian Bradley, who is the president for Black Applied Behavior Analysts, BABA. Their mission is empowering the black community within the ABA field. She's also a clinical director at Behavior Frontiers and a host of the Shades of ABA podcast. I hope you enjoy this layered, complex conversation. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to our show.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: So I have, a, I have a lot of questions for you, but I want to start with, how did you get into the field of applied behavior analysis?
0: Yeah, so like many others, I stumbled into this field. <laughs> um, I did not know what ABA was or anything like that. And ironically, I went to Central Michigan University for my undergrad, and they have an ABA program. And still had not heard of ABA at all, and psychology was my minor. <laughs> so I Close. graduated um, I had graduated from Central. I thought that I was going to be a occupational therapist, and I wanted to work with kids on the spectrum doing ot work. So I had started to observe a ot in one of the local school districts here and I needed a job, so I got a job as a para-pro in the ASD classroom. And as I was working with those kids and working with the teachers and really seeing what how autism was being manifested in, in some kids and learning, I really thought to myself, I was like, this cannot be the only option. You know, these kids were engaging in problem behaviors. The teachers didn't know what to do. I saw recipients' rights violations thrown left and right. (laughs) Um, Right. And I was like, where's where's the education? Where's the training? Where's the um, opportunities, you know? So... Uh, one of the older pros that had been working for the district for like 20 years, right, had been talking with me at lunch and had mentioned ADA. And she was like, you really need to look into it. And that was when Michigan had just passed their um, Medicaid state legislator legislation to um, have ADA covered for state insurance. Mm-hmm. And then they opened it up To go all the way from diagnosis To 21 years of age So you saw ABA popping up everywhere Because now we have this huge need So she introduced me to it And I went to Wayne State University And I loved it I I fell in love I was like this is the career mm-hmm. That I've been looking for For my whole life <laughs> Um And now I, I teach for the program, and you know it's kind of taken off from taken off from there. But that's how I I got into ABA.
1: And since then, you've sort of uh, tackled every project I can think of, right? You mentioned you're teaching at Wayne State, but you're also <laughs> president of BABA, the Black Applied Behavior Analyst nonprofit that was started a few years ago.
0: BABA. That has just opened so many doors and allowed me to do so many different different things. Um, additionally, I am the clinical director for an autism center out here in Michigan, uh, co-host of the Shades of ABA podcast, and then uh, president of BABA and, and, and teaching and doing some other fun things, too. <laughs> so how did
1: BABA get started?
0: So... Baba was originally a Facebook page. So Kat Jackson, back in, like, 2015, started this Facebook page because she was experiencing isolation, microaggressions, out racism, prejudice, Um, and she wanted to know, you know, where are the other black people at? You know, where are the other minorities in ABA? And one good way that we know to create a community is to utilize social media. So it had first started off as a Facebook page and that's where I found it because I was also like where where are other people that look like me in this in this field
1: because mm-hmm. of what my
0: experience was, you know, that I was currently at that time experiencing. So I found them on Facebook, and I was like, oh, this is great. You know, it was a great sense of community. Um, I didn't feel alone. Other people were posting about what they were going through and we were giving each other advice of how to handle different situations. And then I was like, you know, I, I think this should be an official nonprofit. So I had reached out to the, like, moderators of the Facebook page, and they had been forming a executive board to create BABA into an official nonprofit. And so I had emailed the previous president. Her name was Davina. And I said, hey, I want I want in. And she said, hey, come along. And I said, great. <laughs> and so throughout my time, I have um, – held different positions within Baba but most recently have become president um, and we've been a nonprofit for less than a year so um, we're very wow. very new to the nonprofit game um, and to the ABA you know special interest groups and things like that as well um, and we're in year two of our membership
1: so still babies that's amazing I mean it's amazing how there was a need and a community via Facebook and it's now grown into this larger entity. Right. I mean, right. I think it just, that just speaks volumes for how much support people are needing and how people are feeling isolated. And I mean, you, you said it from microaggressions to flat out racism. That's still a, that's still a part of the conversation today, even in Mm -hmm. our, even in our field.
0: Oh, yeah, I was just um, talking to someone yesterday, and they had, not yesterday, maybe a couple days ago, and, you know, we were in the middle of Detroit, and they had made a comment, and I was like, are you serious? Have you not seen what's what's going on in the world? Like, are you really this tone, <laughs> um, So right. It's very much the... A thing, even with all the conversations and the trainings and the webinars and the podcast.
1: One of my questions is given today's environment and, and we're recording this on the 57th anniversary of the March in Washington. I believe there are marches going on mm-hmm. as we're speaking, but yes. um, there are, you know, there are NBA protests, there are sports protests, there are, there are movements happening across the country. How is, how is that impacting, uh, the work that you're doing and how does that really highlight the importance of the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, you know, it definitely, it, it helps to highlight the awareness, you know, um, the NBA, the NFL, um, you know, there's a tennis player, a golf player, you know, just had, you know, uh, a silent protest while he was playing. Um, you know, it really Awareness to what we've been saying ever since Colin Kaepernick took the knee and got really bad, you know, bad a bad rap bad for
1: bad rap. You know, yeah. he
0: lost his entire entire career. Meanwhile, there's entire professional sports teams that are not playing playoff games, but we were mad about a knee. Right. <laughs> we were mad about a knee, you know, and so. Really, it brings awareness that this is not about black and white. This is not about um, the Black Lives Matter movement or the diversity and equity and inclusion movement, you know, disrespecting America or disrespecting the flag, disrespecting our military. This is about the injustices that the black community has been experiencing for years, and just now everyone is becoming aware of it. You know, um, so it's definitely helped to highlight and bring more awareness, particularly to those people in our field. Um, The people in our field very much so have blinders on. You know, they very much so have the ability and the privilege to pretend like this wasn't happening or fact their way or operationally define their way out of thinking that this is the truth. But what I want to get across is that this is my day-to-day. I live this hmm. every day. I don't get the privilege to have blinders and pretend like this isn't happening or that pretend like this isn't happening to my family and my friends. And I think it's only amplified this issue and really brought it to the forefront. You know, there's no longer that, that time where people can ignore this it's in your face and it's in your face, but it's been happening since I was little. So it's, it's helped to amplify the work that we're doing. Um, and within the ABA field, it's a different kind of work, you know, um, it's a different kind of work away from police brutality, but more into our field diversity and our field equitability and inclusiveness and the lack thereof. Um, and what what that kind of looks like. So we're just kind of taking taking that energy and applying it to our field, and really wanting our field to do better.
1: And so I know, you, Baba. That's a that's a big goal, right? Is to develop mm-hmm. um, to develop leaders really in the field of applied behavior analysis. And and I think that echoes a lot of what you're saying about this. You know, equitability and inclusion. How, how are you going about um, getting people into those roles and how are you going about getting people, um, a more diverse population into higher level positions and, and more into a leadership role across the field of applied behavior analysis?
0: Yeah, um, I love this question. I'm so very excited to talk about this. <laughs> um, we do that through, you know, we have memberships, right? And within our memberships, we offer different benefits. And we are a nonprofit that is actually providing benefits to our members, all of our members, mm-hmm. um, and not just kind of taking your money and then being like, oh, we have this one thing once a year, and this is what it's worth. Um, right. So, one of the things that we really we really needed to start from was we needed to figure out our baseline. Our baseline was that people were having the lack of training, the lack of opportunity, sponsorship, X, Y, and Z. So we said, you know what, how through our membership do we provide those things that have not been provided to our black practitioners? So we do that with part, we partner with a lot of different agencies, companies, practitioners, X, Y, and Z to give those trainings and and opportunities and sponsorships and mentorships to our black practitioners so that they can be prepared for these leadership roles. So we, you know, do that through, okay, if we know we're not getting enough supervision or we're not even passing our exam, okay, well, Bob is going to offer weekly study sessions then. Great, we offer twice a week study sessions to make sure that our black students are even passing those exams and and starting from from there, right? Okay, we see that there's not enough black practitioners in the OBM sector, all right, well, let's create an OBM training. We just had an OBM CEU last, or this month, it's still August, <laughs> um, in August to talk about professional development pipelines and how to create leadership pipelines within the company and keeping diversity, equity, and inclusion in mind when companies are doing that, um, along with creating an OBM, particularly for black practitioners, more OBM experience in which that they're wanting. Um, we do supervision. So one of the things that BABA is going to be doing is putting out a directory of all black-owned supervision companies. So for those that are looking for remote supervision, we're able to provide. um, If we see that our black practitioners want to learn more about problem behavior, um, we're going to partner with someone that can do that, and that partnership will be coming out here soon. And then working with different agencies and universities to um, get our, our black practitioners into teaching roles, to address why is these leadership roles not inclusive. And when I say inclusive and diverse, I mean gender. Um, because that's the right. first diversity point that people go to. I mean sexual mm-hmm. orientation and race and perspective and geographical location, right? Um, and are you being diverse in that sense? No, you are not, because your entire leadership team is white women. Um, right. And so really working with those agencies and companies to see um, where is your need. We also get a lot of inquiries of, like, hey, we have this job posting. We are looking to diversify or make our job market equal to the students and the clients that we're serving. So we had just sent out um, a Boston school, school board position, you know, we're making our practitioners aware of the opportunities and the people that want them. You know, um, mm-hmm. Nebraska just sent us a Ph.D. opportunity. Great, we're sending that all out to our members. So we really do a lot of communication and a lot of um, information sending out and setting in as well um, to help increase the, the equitability and the inclusiveness within our field. But we're starting from scratch. You know, we have people who have been in this field for 15 plus years, 20 plus years, 30 plus years that are just as equally qualified as the Linda LeBlanc's and the Tyra Sellers and the Patricia Wright's, but have not had the same opportunities. So what is Baba going to do? We're going to give you that platform. We're going to give you that opportunity because other people have not. If you don't see it, create it.
1: I love that. If you don't see it, create it. Yeah, a, why not? That's a great Yeah, that that's great. I mean, really that's what you guys have done from the beginning, right? If you don't see it, create it. That's what that's what happened with the Facebook page, that's what's happening now with your organization. I you mm-hmm. know, one of the things that you said that really stood out to me is is this idea of people um not having a diversity in teaching roles. And I I mean how important mm-hmm. is that for diverse students, for black students to be able to see someone Teaching, that's not, um, that's not a, you know, a, I feel like we have a lot of white males who do a lot of research and a lot of white females Mm -hmm. who do a lot of presentation and teaching. Um, And, and I'm certainly not minimizing any of their work or anything like that. But I just think it's so important for us to have more diverse view, viewpoint for people. How does that impact Mm -hmm. the community? And how does that impact uh, students?
0: Yeah, so I can use myself as an
1: example. Um, You know, Wayne State University is in the
0: heart of downtown Detroit, 7% black, like its residents. But when I go to Wayne State, none of my teachers were black. I've never had a black teacher. From elementary school, like preschool, all the way through my master's, I have never had a black teacher. So if you don't see yourself in these roles, how do you think, you can be in these roles because if you take a look at historically what we have to overcome, just as marginalized, a marginalized group in America and all the barriers that we have to overcome and then to see these people in any role, let alone a teaching role, right? I don't see myself, then I'm going to think, well, this isn't for me,
1: you know, or
0: I'm going to have to overcome hoops and barriers like I have in order to get into these positions so the people behind me can see that this is for you and if you you don't see it and you don't see myself and my perspective and my struggle or someone that can even remotely identify the struggle I have to go through that the majority does not have to go through then that's so discouraging and then I've done that every day every day I go to the mall, you know, I, you know, go to school, I'm, you know, going up north to Alpena, that was a single black person, and then I have to go to work, and not seeing a single person, but I see a single black person for a technician work, I see my families coming to get service by people don't mm-hmm. you know, look like that, you know, but myself in a BCBA position and any type of leadership position at the position or anything like that that's going to be discouraging and then imagine that 24 <laughs> 7 it's exhausting right. so the importance right. of um, ha- having a diverse academia you know and teachers and professors and things like that it not only does it represent that you also can do this it's also someone that can understand my perspective struggle that I have to get to even sit down in this class, so if you don't have a diverse teacher population then you're just getting you're producing the same things, and that's not okay
1: yeah that's never that doesn't advance our that doesn't advance our field that doesn't advance our science that doesn't advance the support that families need and more and more um, as i've been a clinician over the years i've learned that families don't all have the same needs, right? They don't all fit into the same box. And if we're, uh, if all we're doing as a field is creating people that can address this particular box, we're doing a disservice to a certain number of families. Right. And, and that's, that's not, that, that's not how I view our field. I view our field as more progressive than that. And I think that we owe it to, to push in that direction. But I also
0: think it's, you know, um you also have to take a look at who created our field. So yeah. what, it was never yeah. created to be inclusive or diverse or equitable because the people we look up to are all white men. So, you know, if it create created that way, then it takes someone to step up and, and make that change, which is what we're seeing is right. people stepping up and demanding change, and not just talking about it, but being about action.
1: Well, it's what you're seeing, but it's also one of what you're doing, right? And I think one of the ways that you are absolutely doing this is we talked about teaching, but we haven't talked about mentorship, and I know that that's a very mm-hmm. important pillar of your organization. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why it's so important and maybe what separates kind of quality mentorship from just kind of mediocre mentorship?
0: Um, Our black practitioners were not getting the same opportunities as the white practitioners, and they were looking to their supervisor to provide that mentorship and those opportunities, and they weren't. So we said it's so very important to have someone to help guide you through this field. There's so much about this field that we don't know, and the older practitioners do know. So we need to connect with them. And to help guide us to when we're coming in these situations where we're experiencing discrimination, how do we properly address this without, you know, um, being seen as the angry black person, you know, or that we're overreacting, you know. And so what the older generation does a really good job at is kind of playing that political game (laughs) in order to get our needs met. But um, we don't do a good job at that. We're just kind of like, yeah, no. Um, But, you know, in, in tying in all of that and really seeing, okay, this black BCBA is now, I just got off of a meeting with Dr. Sherilyn Crump. She is the program director at National University, and National University has the largest ABA program in the United States Mm -hmm. with 1,700 students. And she's running that program as a black BCBA and a black woman at that. Um, Didn't know that until a couple weeks ago. And had I had someone like that in my corner pushing me to do better, then that also increases where – black practitioners are going to be in relation to a seat at the table. And so we talk about leadership roles and the lack of diversity and inclusivity, right, in those. So Mm -hmm. a mentor would be able to mold me into being able to apply for those opportunities. So we do that through a variety of ways within our mentorship program. So we have either one-on-one mentorship or group cohort mentorship of like three mentees to a mentor. And they have to meet a minimum of once a month. Um, we have an application that the mentor fills out and an application that the mentee fills out. So let's say the mentee is like, you know, I really want to learn more about um, teaching in the field. And we have a mentor that is teaching at a university. All right, I'm going to pair them up, you know. Or I have someone that's really looking more into um, climate change and ABA, and I just so happen to have a mentor that works primarily in environmental studies. All right, I'm going to pair them up. Um, So with those applications, we do that pairing. Then they have to meet a minimum of once a month. But a lot of what I'm hearing, particularly with my mentees, I meet with them twice a month. Because um, there's so much to go over, and so many different opportunities, and and learning, and you know all of those things that co- come come
1: into account. That's so it's so fantastic. I mean, you know, one of the things that you're really describing is like, you know, you and the people in your organization are really trailblazers, right? I mean, you know, you're you're really. Um creating the way for the next generation of black behavior analysts to be in leadership roles. And, and by doing that, you're kind of creating this, um, I guess just this environment where people can come together and thrive. And, and, and that's so important. And it's, and I just, I can just see the, you know, I'm envisioning the ripple effects that it's going to have for not just this generation, but then how many of those people that are being mentored now excuse me, are going to go on to be mentors and they're going to, you know, they have one mentor, but they're going to mentor 10 or 20 individuals. And now all of a sudden, like this is having such a large impact on the field and on the community long-term, not just this week.
0: Right. And that's our goal. You know, we see that this hasn't been done and this type of systematic um, upbringing hasn't been done either. So we want to see a change in 10 years, 15 years. We have to start now, you know. Right. Um, and by doing that, we see that long-term change, like you were just saying, and changing the way our, what our field looks like and what our field expectations are on diversity and inclusion and being more equitable and so if, if our ex- expectations are here, then we need to stay up here.
1: Yeah, a good friend of mine told me uh, we were having a conversation similar to this one, and he told me pretty recently that, you know, all of the efforts he's putting in to support the community are for his children. And so the more he does and the more he can support other people and get them into leadership roles, then the more mentors his children will have. And I thought that was just a really interesting way to kind of frame the thinking of it. it was, that was really impactful on me.
0: Right. And we, we got to get America in, in historically is just in a very solo individual mindset. We have mm-hmm. to get out of that individual mindset and more into a group unity mindset instead of, well, this is my journey, this is my path, this is my opportunity. I'm not thinking about anyone past me. Because that's my immediate. Whereas in the black community, we are so behind that we have to think about, okay, what does this look like for my kids? What does this look like for their kids? And what can I do now? And that's what our ancestors did. You know, they went through all of this mess, <laughs> um, in order for me to be able to do what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I can't thank them enough for going through what they had to go through um and not even to talk take it all the way back with slavery i'm talking about just the 50s the 60s the 70s the 80s um and the prejudice and racism and jim crow and you know redlining and all this stuff they had to go through for to be able to live where i live so it's 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 a we need to get more in a group cohort
1: culture instead of a solo individual culture. Yeah, that's a good mindset. And I think, you know, what, one of the things I want to highlight is you're not just doing, you're not just acting as president of BABA, right? You're also the host of the shades of ABA podcast. I mean, talk about trailblazing, right? You're, you're, (laughs) you're, you're at, you're reaching out to another group of people that way. Um, What was your motivation for starting that podcast?
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh, what happened? Something happened. (laughs) And I was like, oh, see, this is why we just need to start this podcast. Something happened, and it triggered me. And I had presented it to, at the time, Davina was president. But I presented it to Davina, and they were on board with it. So Antonio had reached out to Baba and said he had experience in and starting a podcast and, you know, that whole game. And I had a week prior said I wanted to start a podcast based off of the Facebook post with Uncomfortable Age So then we got connected and we created this idea that we wanted to discuss diversity, equity, and inclusion within the ABA field and not just solely on race. Um, we wanted to talk about sexual orientation, geographical location, perspective, other ways ABA is used away from um, and really bringing awareness to some of the work that people are doing in the field that don't get highlighted in research articles or in CEUs or anything like that. And so that's where the, the podcast came from. And then COVID happened and Antonio mm. has three kids and a wife who um, – you know, had to really adjust. And so he had to step away from the podcast, but then Tiana Moore, who is the Baba Vice President, um, stepped in. So that
1: was really, really great. That's fantastic. I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that there is support, and I'm glad that you're – even though people – I think everyone's life is going through a bit of a shakeup right now with COVID. I'm I'm glad you're able to find – other people to step in and support because I think this is such an important topic. And I, my fear in all of this is that there's a lot of momentum, uh, in this conversation and in conversations like this. And my fear is that that momentum stops or slows down and that we, as a community don't talk about it as much. So I appreciate the efforts that you're putting in. Um, thank you for what you're doing with regards to that. Where can people find out? Where can people find your podcast?
0: Um, All streaming platforms, so Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast.
1: And where can people go if they want to be more involved in BABA and if they want to be more involved in the mentorship program or volunteering? Where can they go for that?
0: Yeah, so the, um, our BABAinfo.org, B-A-B-A-Info.org, is our um, nonprofit organization website. And that is where if you want to volunteer or join as a member or anything like that, um, you can find that information there. And one of the things that I want to make sure we get across is that you don't have to be black to join our organization. Um, We have an ally and advocate membership tier that comes with benefits as well, um, and that will also allow you to volunteer with us. Um, You have to be a member in, in order to volunteer um, with our organization, and we have a conference coming up as well. Uh, so I definitely want to touch on on that conference um, for everyone yes. to know.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, so with, tell us about it. It's next the, year, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, hopefully we're in person. with COVID. But we were able to solidify, it'll be Juneteenth of 2021. So really important date for the African American Mm -hmm. community. Um, So we will be having a conference all on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the title of the conference is, is really surrounded around us not what we wanted to see in relation to conferences and equitability and inclusiveness so we created our own you know if you don't see it create it that's kind of our motto for this year yeah. yeah and so that's really what we did with this conference and so this conference is not just going to be a, around black people and black practitioners we have a a breakout session of someone just submitted a paper for um, working with LGBTQ community and the workplace, and what are some policies and some different practices that we need to do in order for that population to feel more inclusive. Um, We have one on behavior technician training and cultural humility in relation to one-on-one work with a child. Um, I would love if someone could submit something on climate change and ABA and environmental disparities mm. that are going on in marginalized communities in relations to being more sustainable and being more healthy. Um, we, I want to see something on sexual behavior in ADA. So we really want to bring the diversity of perspective and inclusivity of perspective to this conference. And it'll be in Detroit, Michigan, so right where I'm from at Wayne State University, so the university I teach at will be our venue. And it'll be a Saturday to Monday. And we really just want to show our practitioners and other conferences, organizations, like this is diversity. This is equitability. Um, Down to the vendors that we're using, our sponsorships, um, vendor tables, the you know, contracts we have with businesses, um, you know, what events we're doing and bathroom signs and child care and, you know, making sure that mothers have a nursing room to go to um, in between time and not just having a 30-minute lunch,
1: which is really important. <laughs> right, um, right. I was going to say, what an incredibly thoughtful way to uh, bring a community together hitting on a variety of extremely important topics um, and making sure that everyone has a safe space to make sure they're taking care of themselves, but also um, to access their community. That's so, it's just so important.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what we want to get across um, and registration is going to be opening up here very, very soon. Um, and we're going to be announcing our keynote speakers at our Baba town hall. As well in September So hopefully you guys will be able to attend that
1: I look forward to it
0: I was going to say we have monthly town halls That are open to the public So you don't have to be a member to join And it's free So if anybody wants to learn more about BABA And what we kind of have going on behind the scenes Then we always have a Guest organization um, That we support On there as well So it's either a guest organization Or a partnership that we have And they happen Monthly, So I I do encourage you guys and your audience, if they want to learn more about BABA, um, we have those monthly town halls.
1: Uh, Is that information on your website as well?
0: Yes. So it will be on our website. Um, Through our website, everyone can also sign up for our monthly newsletter. And we put it on our newsletter. We have – BABA has a, a public Facebook page that anyone can join. We put it on there, and then, you know, obviously all social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, those are just different ways that people can find out about it.
1: Great. I'm going to sign up right now. Thank you so much, Adrienne, for being on today, for the work that you're doing, for the support you're offering the community, and just um, for your insight. It's really valuable. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Oh, thank you guys for having me on. It was such a pleasure and an honor.
1: I hope you found some good information in that conversation with Adrian Bradley. Uh, A few things that stood out to me. The first one is, if you don't see it, create it. I really love that that's their mantra of their organization, and I really love that that's really a push for them as they support this next round of black applied behavior analysts. Um, Something else that stood out to me is their mentorship piece and really the fact that they're looking to create not just black behavior analysts but a diverse population of behavior analysts. The communities that we serve is so diverse it's necessary for us to have a staff and uh, an approach to our science that really can match that diversity and support the families in the way that they need to be supported um, but there's really so much to do, and i i can't and I can't uh, emphasize this enough that uh, this is just the first step for us as a community and for us as a field, recognizing and hearing. Um, these stories and hearing Adrian's story today is really the first step of what we need to do. I hope that if you're out there, you can continue to create momentum and push for this to go and grow. Um, so, much of this, so much of what's going on with our community right now is having the black community be heard and, and for the first time. And this moment is not a time for us to say, check, we made it, we're here. Now is a time for us to really push for movement. Uh, and there's so much more to be done. This is just the beginning, and I just applaud those that are doing the work and being those trailblazers, as we've, me- as we've mentioned. So hopefully we'll see you all next Juneteenth in Detroit for the first annual conference uh, from BABA. As always, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Autism Therapies. Uh, if you have a show suggestion or other feedback, feel free to send it to allautismtalk at learnbehavioral.com, and feel free to subscribe and rate us at iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts
0: we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of all autism talk this podcast is brought to you by learn behavioral the leading network of providers serving children with autism and other special needs visit us at learnbehavioral.com listen to previous episodes at allautismtalk.com on itunes apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts all autism talk connecting the autism community one podcast at a time